Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hello, hello, hello. This is Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy so that we can do the work that matters and live the lives we want to live. No small thing, right? But I think we can do it. And I think we can do it in a whole lot of little practical, specific ways, which is all about what we talk about here. I mean, these are the things that I can do in the middle of my day to elevate things a little bit, to make me feel better, to get me through the rough spots. And let me tell you what, if I can do them, anybody can do them. (laughs) In fact, today's topic, we're talking about clutter, not the kind that's in your garage or in the closets, but the kind that's in our mind. And it came to me in an interesting way. This is something I think about from time to time. And, you know, if you've listened to the show or read my newsletter, my personal essays on polycampbell.substack.com, I go in deep about how I've been recovering from surgery and the things that are happening in my life. And one aspect of my recovery has been that I'm spending a lot of time in physical therapy, both with the physical therapist a few times a week for an hour, hour and a half each time. And then I'm doing the work on my own at home too, because I'm really motivated, right? I want to get stronger and and get through this faster and, and healthier. So that's where that's coming from. But the therapist said something interesting to me last week. She was asking me to do these different exercises, these different stretches and movements that I literally haven't done in five years or more in some cases, right? My my hips and my joints have been rocky from the get-go. And so there's a lot of physical limitations I had. There are a lot of ways I couldn't move. So I stopped doing certain things and she would give me these new exercises and it was like this world opening up. I'd try something new or I'd, I'd walk a different way or I'd do something that I wasn't able to do even six months ago. What she was telling me is that she feels like many of her clients are hindered by their beliefs, the clutter that's in their head. So they'll have an injury, they'll require surgery or physical therapy or treatment, and and she'll ask them to do an exercise, to bend a certain way or to stretch a certain way. And oftentimes, their first response is, I can't do that. And she said she thinks that's the biggest barrier to people getting healthy, is that belief that before we even try to do something, we go into this negative, I can't do it. Now, There are things that she's asked me to do that six months ago I 
could not have done. But now I can do them. My whole life is opened up, right? And I think that's a good example of what happens in our lives. We go through school, we get new jobs, we become parents, we become spouses, whatever it is, whatever transitions we have in our lives that we've never done before, we saddle with some expectations, some belief about where we'll be successful or not successful, what we can do and what we can't do. I say, here's one example I've heard recently, in fact, I don't have a college degree, so I can't try for that promotion. Well, let me tell you what. I know plenty of people at the higher levels of business who don't have college degrees and who are highly, highly successful. Now, they've learned other ways around it. They're, they're qualified, and they're good at what they do. But they don't necessarily come with that expectation of a college degree. We limit ourselves by the ideas we hold, the ideas of who we are. So today we're talking about spring cleaning, and I'm not talking about the clutter in the garage or the dirt in the drawers. Hello, I do need to clean up. I found a dried cranberry in uh, my silverware drawer. So it's it's time to do that kind of clutter cleanse too. But I'm talking about the mental clutter that catches us up, that keeps us stuck and what we can do about it to release some of those old ideas and make room for new ones that are more helpful and keep us motivated and keep us going. Years ago, I did a cleanse, a physical cleanse, where I limited the types of food I ate for 10 days. I ate um, fruits and vegetables. I ate so-called clean foods, right? Nothing processed, no coffee. Yes, that was a killer, but I actually did better with that than I thought. And the whole point was to clean, to release the toxins from my body, from all those old foods and and habits. Uh, You know, once or twice a year, I'll sort through the closets and get rid of the clothes and clutter that's been in there for a few years. So all that stuff matters, right? We create space to reboot and refresh by getting rid of the stuff we no longer need. The same with a mental detox. It's spring cleaning for the mind, right? This is a big deal because every feeling, every behavior starts from a thought or belief. And often those are the ideas that we've held on since we were kids. We may not even be conscious to them. And yet still, they shape the way we feel about ourselves. They shape our behavior, the actions we take, and the actions we don't take, right? We all have experiences of teachers that either encouraged us or discouraged us. My husband was in an English class where the teacher made fun of how slow he read. He was a slow reader. He is a slow reader, but he's a good reader. He just doesn't read quickly. So even to the time he was an adult, he figured there was no point in reading because he wasn't good at it. We looked at that belief when we first met because I'm a big reader and we talked about it and he understood where that came from and he's a huge reader. He probably reads more than I know. Does he read slowly? Yes. Who cares? It doesn't change his enjoyment of the material. We've got to shake off those beliefs and ideas that no longer serve us or those things that were uh, entrenched in us years ago by a parent or a teacher, often well-meaning people, right, who are just giving us feedback, and we take them in as truth when most of the time they're not even true. And we let them shape our feelings, our behaviors, in many ways, our future, and certainly the decisions we make and the ways we think of ourselves. We are prone to a negative bias anyhow. Thank you, evolution. We are more likely to see the bad things, to go to the threat, the problem, 
at least at first. It's our way of protecting ourselves, right? And it's a way of staying safe in our circumstances. It's wired in from our tribal days. But we can get stuck in those negative thought patterns and begin behaving badly in response to those thoughts. And that bad behavior can look like impatience or anger or hostility. It can look like overeating, over shopping, drinking too much, gambling, numbing ourselves to the emotions we feel. It can come out in the way we avoid things that we might really want to do, but we are, but we are filled with self-doubt the fear of failing because of some belief we held about not being good enough, not smart enough, not worthy enough, whatever it is for us, right? Then we get stuck in that thought pattern and never do the work we are meant to do, never make the contribution that the world needs from us, but also that we want from ourselves to create meaning and purpose in our own lives. You know, here's a, here's a global example. We read about the devastating war in Ukraine, and our thoughts become about the pain and the fear that those people are experiencing, the global bullies, the threat to our own lifestyle and economy, perhaps, the corruption and controlling leaders that are in our world. And that fills us, those ideas and beliefs and thoughts fill us with strong emotions. And those emotions hit, hitch a ride on our thoughts and, and fill us with sadness and fear. And we feel small and powerless, maybe depressed. That comes out in our behavior, right? We might wind up snapping at those we love or falling into our depression or behaving in ways that keep us from doing the actual things we could do to help. In fact, they can make us feel worse and keep us from functioning in our own lives. Okay? Really, we're not powerless, there's lots of ways we can support the people of Ukraine and the people in our own community, you know, contributing to the American Red Cross, buying some of the products that the war in Ukraine is in being funded by the memes and products that people around the world are selling and donating proceeds to organizations that support the people of the Ukraine. So there are lots of ways when we become creative and not trapped in our beliefs where we can make a difference and every small step counts. I really believe that. I've seen that work in my own life. But when we are stuck in the belief that there's nothing we can do to help, we act like there's nothing we can do to help. And that makes us feel bad and it makes us feel sad and depressed. Here's how a negative thought pattern showed up in my life. It was three weeks ago. I was post three weeks post-surgery and still using a cane. I am working so hard and doing all this therapy and exercises. And here I am three weeks ago, still using a cane. I'm not getting any stronger. Oh my goodness. I'm so frustrated. I became impatient with my family. I had all these beliefs that I wasn't recovering fast enough. And those, that notion didn't motivate me. It wore me out. This belief that I wasn't doing well enough, which is not even true, right? Because who says? Who cares? Three weeks. You got time. It can take all the time it needs for me to recover. But I, I beat myself up with these ideas. And it wore me out and made me feel worse than I was actually feeling, caused more pain because there's a mind-body connection to pain. And it kept me from working hard on my exercises because I didn't feel good, which meant I became stiffer and had more swelling, creating the very conditions I was worried about. Time for a detox, right? 
geez Louise, I convinced myself of something that wasn't even true. And by believing that made it true. You know what I'm talking about. We all do this at different stages in our life. So I think in the spring, uh, I also sometimes do this in September when the new school year is starting. It's a good time to sit back and evaluate what you're thinking about, how you're feeling about what you're thinking about, and to release the things that aren't helping you. Let loose of that mental clutter. And we'll talk about how to do that when we come back in just a minute. Okay, how do we do this? How do we get rid of the mental clutter that's keeping us stuck? So here's how I did it a few weeks ago. And here's some loose guidelines for how you can do it too. Now, don't make this a job. There are no right or wrong answers here. This is just a process of self-reflection or uh, pondering. I like pondering, right? Thinking things over and seeing what's working in your life and what's not. Now, I do everything on paper because I love paper. <laughs> I love office supplies. So I do everything with paper and pen when it comes to this kind of sort of self-reflection. And yet yeah, you can do it in the car while you're waiting for your kid to come out from school or when you're in line somewhere or on your lunch break at work. So do whatever's comfortable, but take some time to become self-aware of how your brain is working, what you're thinking about, how it's helping you or not. This isn't about beating yourself up with judgment. It's about self-awareness. So let's go. Here's the first thing I did when I recognized this belief and when I was getting hard on myself for not progressing fast enough evaluate how your feelings start there. Well, I was feeling down and depressed and frustrated and impatient and snippy. What's working? What feels sad or frustrating or frightening? What feels great and fun and rewarding? Take stock of all that you're feeling and what's behind those feelings. Where's that coming from? And if you're not sure, work on your emotional vocabulary. Get really specific. Are you bored? Are you curious? right? Are you content or happy? There's differences, subtle differences between our feelings. And you can always ask your partners or friends or kids, oh my goodness, my daughter is very good <laughs> at giving me feedback. So if you're confused, confusion is a feeling, right? But if you're not sure and you feel this, ask them how you're behaving. What's coming out? Are you angry or impatient with others in your life, that could be a sign that you're feeling scared or angry or upset about something. Take in the good and bad, notice it, and then feel good for a minute. Give thanks for all those good things. I feel incredible support in my life right now. I feel great connection um, from people that, from friends who have really supported me mentally and, and physically, emotionally and physically by bringing food, but also by sending constant texts and checking in and those kind of things have really helped and family members who've been there. Uh, I feel really grateful that uh, I'm getting stronger. I feel really grateful that I get to do the work I'm doing. Now, does that mean life is perfect? No, there have been serious challenges in the last couple of months, but it's okay to feel good and reflect on the things that are working in our lives. Do that first. Let that good feeling fill you up. We can hold both of those things at once. We can feel good and have sadness at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive, right? Okay, so take in the goodness. Then step back and take a look at the frustrations or the more negative feelings you're experiencing and go deep. What's behind them, right? Maybe you're impatient at work or you're feeling unmotivated at work. Could it be because you made a mistake and somebody called you out for it or... 
perhaps you are angry at your partner in your personal life and you're feeling insecure because of some challenge you're experiencing there, get at the root of what's behind what you're feeling. Now, often anger for me is a sign that I'm feeling hurt or invisible. Maybe I don't feel like I've gotten the attention I need or I haven't been able to share my deeper feelings. So go deep. Look at the situation that you're feeling upset about. It might be a work thing. It might be a, a thing with your your house partner or child. It might be a disappointment you're experiencing. Then what's behind it? What caused that feeling? What happened? And go deeper yet. You know, perhaps you think you aren't qualified for a job and everybody knows that. So you're not motivated at work. It has nothing to do with the work you're doing, but it's this belief that you're not qualified and it's making you not apply yourself or work very hard or engage and do the things that make work valuable for many of us. Okay. Take a look at the frustrations or more negative feelings you're experiencing and what might be behind them. What's at the root of them. Now, sit there for a minute in the discomfort. When you're feeling that anger, that insecurity, that upset, how do you behave? How do you respond? When I'm feeling angry or when I'm feeling insecure, when I'm feeling nervous, I'm often really impatient. Like I act like I really want to get it over with. I'm, I'm really impatient with other people. I'm very intense. Um, I'm very focused. But that doesn't always come out in positive ways. I have to know when to use that and when to dial back. So how do you respond when you're feeling those thoughts, when you're buying into the beliefs that you're not worthy or that you're upset that your marriage isn't working or that you're not good enough at work? How do you respond? Do they fill you up with good feelings and energy? Are they motivating? Do they push you towards self-acceptance and compassion or self-loathing or anger? Do they lift you up or bring you down? So when I'm thinking of a belief like I'm no good at my job, when I'm filled with that self-doubt, there's never a moment that that thought makes me feel better, right? That belief that I'm not good enough, that does not fill me with good feelings and energy. It does not motivate me to keep working. It fills me with insecurity. I don't like it. And frustration. I feel judgment, right? It's understanding what's behind those emotions that helps us uncover the belief that is fueling them. Then go back to that belief and reframe the thoughts. Am I really not good at work? Am I really unworthy? Well, the truth is I have a lot to learn, but I also am pretty successful at the things I want to do at work. I'm learning my way. I've been able to make money at the job I want to do. So instead of looking about how I'm not good at my job, I can reframe that and say there are many things I'm very good at. There are other things I'm still learning about, right? So it's not about being positive all the time, but it's about recognizing that that many things can be true at one time. And often the absolute belief we hold about how I suck at my job, how I'm not good, I'm a bad writer, are not true anyhow. There's no evidence to that. Have I made mistakes? Certainly. Are there writers that are 
really good that I want to improve to be more like? Of course. But that doesn't make me bad. I don't need to live in that place of absolute. It means I'm a writer who's still developing and growing. And along the way, I've also been very successful. So me sulking about how I wasn't recovering fast enough from surgery did not, in fact, help me recover any faster, right? But when I reframed that situation, instead of seeing the cane as an impediment, it became an aid, Canes are used to help us build strength until we can get stronger. It's not a permanent fixture. Last year it was, but now I know it's not. And when I recognized that by using the cane, I was actually moving more, which was helping me build the strength I needed for recovery, I began using the cane more often and began moving more, and I increased my strength faster. It helped me feel stronger. And when I was getting stronger, then I became more optimistic, believing that, you know, I could I could continue to get better and that led to more physical improvement. One thing leads to another. When we are holding on to negative beliefs, you know, bionic thoughts that are not true or even don't matter most of the time, but when we hold on to them, we make them true because we begin behaving and feeling from them. We behave differently. If we think somebody doesn't like us, we feel insecure or sometimes angry. We get surly, right? Or snippy at those people. You know what I'm talking about. When we hold a thought, we behave as if that thought were true when it's only just a thought. It's a product of our imagination. So this is about reframing those thoughts that we're having anyhow in a direction that helps us. It's not about glossing over the difficulty. It's about noticing that other options and possibilities also persist. Looking at the same things in a new way, right? It didn't make it easier to use the cane. It did not make me more patient, but it did help me realize that it was a symbol of my progress. It was an aid to my progress. And that made me feel better. Instead of how I'd looked at it from the beginning, that it was, you know, a hindrance, that it was a sign of my slow recovery, a sign of my failure, it became a tool for my growth. And that made me feel better. And I began behaving in a better way, emotionally and physically. I felt better emotionally. I felt more positive, And that motivated me to do the physical things I needed to do to aid in my recovery. When we feel better, we do better. You hear me say it time and time again, but that is true. Research has shown that our beliefs and our thoughts and our expectations about what we're going to do influence how we perceive the entire world and therefore how we behave in it. So our thoughts create tangible experience. Here's another example. If if we eat a slice, of, if we're on a diet, right, and then we eat a slice of cake for lunch and we think, oh, now I've ruined my whole diet. There's nothing I can do. I'm going to put on the pounds. We pig out the rest of the day. If you're anything like me, right? <laughs> we pig out the rest of the day because we figure, well, I've already eaten the cake. Nothing to lose. And the result is, yeah, we gain weight or if we feel guilty or we punish ourselves and feel icky for the rest of the day because of one piece of cake. But we, if we think, hey, I'm going to celebrate life, going to have a little piece of cake, no big deal, it's just one piece of cake, and then I'm going to go for my walk this afternoon and enjoy the rest of my day, we have a completely different experience in our bodies, different outcomes in our bodies, because we're less likely to binge eat the junk food, and we feel better, we enjoy the piece of cake more.
that's what we're talking about here. Those beliefs underscore every action, every emotion. So we get to choose what we think and we get to choose what we believe. So it's time to clean out the mental clutter, right? And make sure we're choosing the ideas that support us and open up our world to possibility. Here's another way of thinking about it in business. In business, we have to take risks from the people we hire to the projects we take on to the innovation we create. And sometimes those risks don't pay off. Sometimes we don't sell the product. Sometimes the employee doesn't work out. Sometimes our project goes haywire and we have to regroup and restart or go in a different direction, right? That happens all the time in life and particularly in our businesses. If we look at each one of those things as a failure, we're less likely to start on the next one. We are more likely to avoid the things that make us feel bad. If we look at it as, as a failure, something that cost us, something that ruined us or hurt us, if we believe we're dumb and that's why the product didn't work out, or if we believe that we made a mistake and we keep making the same mistakes because we can't figure it out, if we believe we can't find a solution, we won't. But in the process, we'll cost ourselves, we'll hurt ourselves with the emotions that amp up our stress and keep us from taking the leap into the next thing, which might be a great experience and might even change the business. Every time I start a new book or an article, I just feel a little sick to my stomach. It's such a big task. And there have been plenty of times when I sat there at that blank page and thought, who the heck am I? I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. And then you just start by reframing the belief that well, let's see what I can do. I've done it before. I have plenty of evidence. I can publish a book. I can write a book. I can be successful. And that's enough to change my emotion to something of curiosity. Well, let's see, right? I don't always jump from, I'm afraid, I can't figure this out, to I'm the best, let's go write a book. It, it's not that. There's a lot of gray space in between. But often it's like, well, let's see. I've done it before. So let's see what this process is going to be like. Let's experience this process. And that's enough of a reframe to get me started on the job. It's about cleaning out the mental clutter. Take an inventory of your thoughts. What's behind the emotions you're feeling, the good and the bad. Celebrate the good and then go deep. What is behind this sadness or this anxiety or this anger? What is causing you to be impatient at work or at home? Go behind. There's probably a belief that often goes to our worthiness or our value, some feeling that we're not good enough or we don't know what to do or comparison to other people will never be as successful as them that holds us back. We don't need to buy into it. This spring, clean out that mental clutter. Go forward. We need your contribution. When we all share, when we all act from these better beliefs and empower ourselves, then we create this momentum that helps everyone. I'm exploring this a lot this spring. Join me. You can read more about it on my substack, polycampbell.substack.com. It's more of a personal deep dive into the things I'm exploring in my own life, and I write a lot about beliefs and how we can tweak them and change them to service, particularly in my first book, Imperfect Spirituality, which you can get anywhere books are sold. So that's that for today. I am, I am to be honest, I am glad 
to clean out the mental clutter instead of having to clean out the garage. Hello, that's a lot of work. And I think doing the mental exploration is a lot more fun and interesting than cleaning out the cupboards or the garage. So join me this spring, release some of those mental, some of those beliefs that are keeping us stuck and reboot and refresh this spring. When we do this, I think we will all live well, do good and be happy. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. Electric Acid.